Hi, this is Brian Delvera, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I am your host, Sam Hughes, and today, as you just heard, I am joined by a wonderful composer, Brian Oliveira. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I'm very excited to talk to you about a few projects, actually. Um, but before all that, I would love to hear about your journey into music composition and how that all began. Um, okay, that is a bit of a long story, but for me, it was uh, when I was six years old, growing up in the Andes Mountains in Venezuela, and um, uh, my mom's an artist, but she had this, you know, kind of like a vision. She's like, you're going to be a great musician one day, and uh, yeah, she just gave me a little flute she found uh, that somebody had made, gave, gave it to me, and I started playing it by myself, and uh basically taught myself music uh, up until my early 20s, actually. So it's been amazing. Very, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of been interesting because because I had to teach myself, I've kind of become, uh, it's, it's allowed me to just like kind of just pick up anything and I can just make it sound interesting and good. So yes. that's, that's been yeah, my I thing. I get what you mean. <laughs> make it make some sort of noise. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What a great like introduction. Your mother basically was like, this is your destiny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I shall be a great musician one day. <laughs> <laughs> and you are, you are a great musician because um, before we move on to The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf, which is a very interesting project, um, you have also just been, well, you were, you were nominated for Best Audio at the Golden Joystick Award for uh, Resident Evil Village, where you also did so much stuff with uh, custom instruments for Capcom and you did the Yearning for the Dark Shadows, right? Yes, that was a very fun project. Which is a beautiful track. Like that is, um, the animation that goes with it is is insanely beautiful. And the music is so creepy and it's sort of like uh, even darker than, it's like a Tim Burton attempt that's even darker, right? It's because it's even more evil, I would say. Um and the track really reflects that. I'd love to discuss this track with you. And just as full disclosure, as most of the listeners probably already know, um, I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, and I'm a big fan of the franchise for a long time. So I'm very excited to talk to you about this one. Oh, yeah, definitely. With uh, with Yearning for Dark Shadows, that song actually mostly happened in one evening and over a sleepless night actually we we you know when i heard about it and i saw the animation i had to do something very quick and yeah just sat there um i had a couple of my of my uh guys working with me one person jumped on lyrics to, to start it off another one was throwing some some ideas down and we and i just sang it out and they were laughing their asses off at me because i was singing <laughs> like how you hear you know, the, the, you, hear the, you see, you hear Aga and, and I'm doing all these weird things, thinking, yeah. trying to sing like how she, thinking how she was going to sing it. Uh, but it's hilarious that everybody was just like trying not to crack up. But um, yeah, it's uh, turned out, uh, <laughs> as, you, as you hear now, that's a, it actually turned out pretty good. Yeah, it was awesome. And what did you what did you get to start with? Were you told like, hey, we need an end credit song that's also going to be sort of used in the beginning? Here's the animation, or here's the storyboard, or what, what did you get? I got actually 
both of it. Yeah, I got a storyboard and I got the animation and they gave me the intent and the feeling and the vibe. And, uh, you know, as they were, you know, they were giving me these these ideas. I, I, I got popped into my mind and I'd seen her randomly on Instagram, you know, when I was looking at, but at Indonesian instruments and she just happened to be playing uh, some of them. And she's amazing with this hauntingly beautiful voice. That's to me is one of the most unique voices out there. Yeah. Uh, and I just reached out to her right away. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and we, uh, you know, it was, it seemed like it was going to work uh, from from a vibe perspective. And I just laid it down one evening. She sang it the next day and we sent it in. And that was the whole beginning was just like, you know, what you hear is what you get with that. I love it when it comes together that easily. Yeah. I mean, I say easily, hesitantly then. Like, it's not easy to do this at all. <laughs> but I love it when it comes together so smoothly, should I say. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a certain uh, method to the madness of, you know, it sounds like, it's yeah, it's so easy. Like you said, it's not that easy, but it's it's all about the background work, all the all the things that happened before. And I'm really lucky because, uh, as you mentioned, I, I got to do the actual instrument library that, that was used for Village, but also I'd worked and Biohazard and I did an instrument library for them then. So that whole DNA, the sound DNA and the, the language of the sounds, I, I had it in me and literally had them, had them at hand too. So that's what I started with. I, I used all these sounds as the foundation for the song and for the vibe. And it just came together, you know, after years of work, it's, it's, we just, you know, we can create this in, in an evening. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to this. Man, that's so, so cool. And like with the custom instruments and everything else and the, the library you made for them, what was, what was the criteria for that? And how did that come about that you were going to design kind of the music? Yeah, so I've like I mentioned, I, we we did it for Biohazard. With Biohazard, it was I was kind of like more focused on the Foley uh, music concrete style sounds. Uh, they and they recorded other sounds in, in other with other orchestras and stuff. But for this one, uh, they wanted more of an intimate sound, and they wanted this you know very Eastern European uh, sound with things like adulkas and voices, Balkan voices. And uh, we started chatting, and it just kind of was natural that with the space that I have with my beautiful studio uh, space uh, and all the resources that I had that it was I could just provide all of that so um, yeah the, the the Capcom team came over flew over actually from Japan and they we stayed for two weeks recording straight going non-stop for days and days man that's awesome I mean intense but also awesome <laughs> yeah and uh, it's it's really interesting you know with, with working with them they, they had so many great ideas so they came you know they came with a very specific list of things that they wanted and they even came up you know we're like oh we'd like an old wind sound machine and old uh you know like the world war ii sirens that that you and all these things and i was lucky enough i was able to source these these wind machines and and sirens and crazy other <laughs> knickknacks and so we recorded that as part of the soundtrack and then also built a bunch of kind of like hacked instruments to put some of the darker sounds where you hear like a lot of bowed metal and things we you know we also got some giant thunder sheets it was basically like you know a musical smorgasbord of recording <laughs> for for a few days yeah man that sounds so cool and um just to sorry to go back to yearning for dark shadows again um i just wanted to to kind of clarify so did you write the lyrics yourself or were you given the story of what's going to happen i was given the story uh one of my uh one of my uh, uh engineers michael kim shen he's a very talented writer so he's he the first part of the of the lyrics he wrote and then for the second part of the song that's that's all of my writing uh in the over the lyrics as well and so yeah it was uh, at first one it was, it was a crew group effort and then kind of like took it over and just uh kept 
going with the chorus and everything is is all my lyrics with this. And I try to, you know, look at the story and really try to illustrate the story as best like as I could within the song format. And what was it like kind of returning to the franchise for this as well? Because it's sort of a different approach to Biohazard, right? The Resident Evil 7 had a kind of a grittier, kind of harsher tone to it, I would say, like a, a more kind of grounded... Um, horrific vibe i would say like it's kind of a even more horror than villages yeah um for me it was just fun because i love east you know the eastern cultures and and going into that world so you know and i already knew the, the resident evil uh sound and it's so at least the dna so it was just an extension for me it just came naturally to just like pick the right sounds and just work in all these things that was another thing with that was interesting with with having aga because she's actually from poland so she you know there's that she has that bit of that flavor but she having studied indonesian music she could sing microtonally as well oh, so wow. yeah it was kind of like an open canvas like you know let's let's see what we can do how far can we push this <laughs> that's awesome so you had so much room for to, to explore and be just fully creative yeah yeah and that's a great thing with the capcom team they, they've really just you know there's been a lot of trust that's been built up and i'm very grateful for it and uh yeah they let me do what i do and it's worked out pretty decently <laughs> came out great man I, I think it's a fantastic track i think it works for the game and the animation super well and uh yeah congratulations on uh, resident evil village being nominated for best audio including this so thank well you done thank you so the witcher nightmare of the wolf how did this come about how were you first involved in that was this something that you just kind of pitched for or was there a conversation beforehand um that came out of the blue uh to be honest uh, the writer Bodemayo, he had he'd been following my work with shadow of the tomb raider and if, and resident evil as well and uh he just uh, got in touch with my agent the uh, the, the netflix uh, team from japan and said hey we have this project we'd like you to check it out and i just got you know as soon as i saw the concept art i was blown away i was like oh okay, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. And it's such a nice surprise as well, right? You know, the witcher lands on your table out of the blue and you're like, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And only that, but it's an anime and I'm like a massive anime freak. Like oh, my really? Netflix is all anime in my, my drive. I have to have my own account because my girlfriend hates it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to add your own profile. I don't want that on my profile. Go watch it somewhere else. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so what was your, what was like your highlight of this project? Would you say? Um, oh man, there's so much. I mean, working with, with Netflix, uh, again, they were very trusting and, and also with Studio Mur, they, they were amazing to work with. And, you know, it was a, a lot of uh, back and forth in the beginning. We, we took a lot of time to create the, the main thematic pieces for the, for each, for each of the main characters. Um, but after that, it was, it was kind of like, you know, okay, we got to produce this in one or two weeks. You know, each, each act was done extremely quickly, but having done all this background work and, and having this fluid, open, creative uh, dialogue with with uh, with all of the players, like, such as Bo, Mayo, Bo De Mayo and director Han from Studio Murray was really easy. And one thing that was really interesting uh, that I've kind of got into is ultrasonic recording and using very high uh, sampling rates so that I can 
when I record a sound, I'm able to transform it and transmute it into things that normally you wouldn't be able to do, but um, I can, you know, pitch it down and still keep the quality, but then create instruments that you would only imagine normally. Yeah, that creates so much more opportunities these days without the 100K recorders and stuff, um, capturing all those kind of yeah. resonances and all the harmonics that we don't usually hear and bringing them down. is is It's opening a lot of doors, I think, over the last few years, I would say. Definitely. Yeah. And so with the soundtrack then, how how much music did you end up writing for The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf? Um, I What you hear, I, I only did a little bit of extra because pretty much what you hear is what I did. Uh, everything was used right away. There was no real rewrites or, or revisions. Uh, it was just small adjustments for the most part. Um, and all the thematic pieces that I'd done, I incorporated it into the, into the piece. Some of them were like magic, like Tetris piece. Uh, when you see, you know, Tetra freaking out and, and destroying <laughs> this whole, the, the whole, the whole elf and the ruins, yeah. uh, that was, I had done this before and I just placed it with the animation and it magically just sunk up. My assistants were like freaking out. They're like, what the hell? Can you see into the future or something? And I was like, mm, it just works. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. What a feeling in the studio as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of times, I mean, we, we had to like crunch it. So, we, you know, we're doing like, you know, I did like 80 hours a week, which is not fun and I'm trying to avoid it, but we just had no choice. And so I'd be, you know, I'd get up in the studio at like six or seven and I'd be there till two, three, sometimes even four in the morning and on the hard days, you know, Oof. and then sleep two, three hours. And it's just because of the timeline that you had or is that? Yeah, it was just so much. So I, I, you know, like, you know, not fun and I don't, I don't advise it, but the sleep deprivation was interesting because I was kind of in a, you know, you almost get drunk from sleep deprivation, but I, uh, yeah, like a trance-like state. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of in a trance for most of it, to be honest. And it just kind of, I, I was like, okay, we're laying this down. Boom, let's do it. And all of it mostly were just like one takes, uh, you know, one, so even if you hear all these orchestras, like literally there's just like one take, I record the instrument then I'm going to another, another. And then next thing you know, we have like 200 channels playing an orchestra. Oh, wow. And so did you get to record like a full orchestra for the whole soundtrack or? The, no, this is actually, I would say like 95% of the soundtrack is me playing all these instruments. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, because I've seen an awesome YouTube video as well of you playing a lot of these instruments mm -hmm. um, for the soundtrack. And you did that pretty much mostly yourself yeah, <laughs> all I, the way through. Pretty much. I only had two uh, very talented violinists, uh, Anit Kosh and Briga. They uh, they were doing a lot of the leads that you hear, but everything else I, I played. And uh, yeah, and a lot of the voices even too it's it's actually me uh like when you hear the witcher intro that's like literally like 50 brian's <laughs> <laughs> 50 brian's what a what a selling topic as well there's 50 brian's at the beginning of this <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So aside from the 80-hour work weeks, um, what would you say was the most challenging part of this project? Um, being able to hit the that Witcher sound, but also keeping 
creating creating something new in a sense, you know, like like giving Vesemir's a tonal, uh, you know, let's say like a musical language voice of its of its own that still fits within this world, but it's like it's unique. And I feel with all of the sort of techniques that I had and all the work that I that I did before in in researching and developing it, it came together pretty nicely. Yeah, it's interesting because people say, oh, it sounds so much like the original Witcher music. And uh, to be honest, I was actually I actually tried not to listen to that music. I was not even trying to think of it. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So you tried to avoid it completely. Yeah, I did. I um, purposely did not listen to to that. And, uh, you know, the, even with the series, I, I tried not to listen to it. I mean, I'd seen it, but I kind of like took it out of my mind. And I was like, let's do what, you know, what would be the sound world that would be for this era within the Wisher world and for Vesemir's and all the other characters as well. Yeah, because I was curious because it's such a, a different approach on, on many levels, right? Because it's not the same Witcher. Um, it's also a very different style doing it in an anime style. Yeah. Um, and it's also not the video game, not the book, not the TV series um, in terms of it's it's the same world, but they're not related, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you you really did kind of have to define this thing as its own musical palette. Um, I'm curious whether the how much each plays into it like does does the fact it's an anime influence your score writing it did for this one definitely i i kind of wanted to emulate how it felt uh how it actually feels when you hear some of these older anime scores where it's mostly just a small ensemble playing it live uh as one go Mm. and i kind of took the same approach but uh, you know since it was just me i just i would do it myself do it do one take and then do the next and worked out pretty good and i was kind of be able to extend it and make it more massive because of you know today's technology where i can just go i decided like okay we're gonna do a you know a 50 piece violin section let's do it <laughs> <laughs> why not if you can right yeah you can but it was executed all live on the spot without any real editing or revision or or you know kind of sound angling or even adding uh, any kind of like normal, you know, contact based instruments. And on that note, actually, I the one thing that I did actually, because uh, I've been developing my own virtual instruments for the last two years as part of kind of like a continuation to the work that I've been doing uh, with Resident Evil. And I had actually, uh, one of the prototypes was used for Village uh, for my software engine and I kept using it. And the, a lot of the, a lot of the sounds you hear where, you know, they're sort of like darker ultrasonic sounds that oh, wow. you wouldn't, it doesn't sound like any instrument. It's actually me using the, my instruments Within. Oh, that's awesome. That's super fascinating as well. So you developed your own engine for your own libraries? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious, like, how did you design that? And in, in what? Did you script it all yourself and everything? Yeah, I have a team. We built, uh, we've been prototyping for, well, we prototyped for over two years, actually. And we built the engine from scratch, uh, just with code from purely from scratch. And uh, it's based on the idea of using real-time parameter controls, uh, just how a game engine uses it. Yeah. So you can design or sculpt your sound and then depending on on your performance the challenge the, all the sounds change dynamically and the parameters change dynamically that's awesome yeah that's super cool um and is this something that you will keep in house or is it something that you do actually intend on kind of putting out there it's already out actually i just released a few months ago and it's uh Mantra, uh, well, you can check them out actually at, at mantra.io, which is mntra.io. And uh, we've got uh, already uh, five instruments uh, available. And uh, one of them, Oracle, actually was one of the main instruments that I used in The Witcher. So if you kind of want to get a, a you know an idea, you can, uh, you can check that instrument out and you'll recognize some of the sounds that are there. Do you have a favorite piece that you wrote for this? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Always a toughie, right? Oh yeah, that's like they're all they're so they're all my favorites and for different reasons. Uh, yeah, I think Tetris theme is is my favorite though, uh, just because of the way it came together. Um, it's just uh, I've been playing uh, cello for the last ten years, and that one was uh, all the bass lines and and. Uh, most of the strings that you hear it's you know with these sort of, sort of like downward motion strings happening in there it's all it's all my baroque cello that I, that I played it on and that was all just one take it just came together it was just so like natural and when we laid it down into the into the actual movie it just you know like I said like people were my sisters were freaking out just because it sunk up so I would say that one is the is a special one the second one um, that's equally as good actually I would say is the the last song of, of the piece uh, I mean of the movie where the credits, uh, which is the first one that they hear in the in the in the soundtrack version. This was basically kind of my own take on the wish on the Witcher theme. Um, Bodemayo had asked me to try doing a sort of like at least a a, a take on on the original Vesemir theme, and this is what I came up with. And then I had this amazing singer, another amazing singer, Blanet. She sang on it, and you know this is what you'll hear the results if you guys go on on Spotify. One of the curses of being a creative is that we're kind of sometimes too critical or, you know, the opposite even sometimes. And how do you keep that objectivity when writing music for these um, projects? Um, limitations. Limitations create a lot of creativity. Mm. And luckily with these projects, we, we usually have the limitation of time and deadlines and <laughs> demands. So <laughs> I use the, the limitations as, as the means to to make it happen, be creative. And my one thing for the last few years has been to play everything live, just how I mentioned like, like how the anime, old animes did it, to literally perform the piece, compose it on the spot, play it live as one go. And mm. what you see is what you get. If you're in the right zone and the right mindset, it happens and then you just keep on building yeah. and you don't look back. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good philosophy, to be honest. I mean, especially the don't look back part in terms of how you can get stuck on one track right, yeah. or one thing and be trying to get that thing to perfection before moving forward. Yeah, and and music is all about energy and vibe and and what's happened now with people working with the DAWs that they get caught up, you know, in in a theoretical or, or sort of like the, you know, the mind the mind aspect of the logical aspect where we should really be, you know, for the most part, I, I think if if you can also balance it out with with feeling and emotion and expression, like real physical expression, playing it with a real instrument and it comes out and it's just in the right way, that's the magic for me. Yeah. And what do you, what would you say to composers that maybe feel a bit, you know, it's quite daunting to be told like, yeah, I play all of the instruments, you know, um, and someone might be out there going, oh man, well, I'm not going to be able to play like a hundred instruments for this soundtrack. How am I going to kind of capture that, that feel? Um, what would you say to those sort of composers who may be intimidated by this, about the skill level required to play this many instruments? You don't have to be good at, let's say, at playing an instrument to use an instrument, uh, at least to begin with. A lot of people uh, are able to, you know, even including myself, you know, when I get we'll pick up a new instrument, you know, just if you can, if you want to pick up, let's say, a violin and create sounds with it, there's a magic to physically doing this and, and working with that. You know, there's a kind of like an energy, energy transfer. So my biggest advice to, to, to composers starting out, like get a microphone, get some instruments, do what you do, and you'll, you'll be surprised with the results that you get. 
Amazing. And um, so in terms of recording all these individually as well, then, it, what do you think um, that brings to the table even more so than just the expression of the performance? Do you think it, it teaches you more about the process and where the music is coming from? And does it make you think differently about how you're writing it? Definitely. Um, I think it's, uh, for me, it's been a very long road. Uh, I mean, it's taken, when I set my mind to kind of like perfecting this process, it's been a good, you know, bit over a decade that it, that it's been like this. So it's take, you know, at first I was just doing a few tracks. Now I can literally, uh, you know, do a 200 track, <laughs> 200 separate track piece and get it done in an afternoon. Wow. But a lot of it, it just has to, it's just, I'll be honest, it's just practice. You just got to do it and do it and do it <laughs> for hundreds of hours. <laughs> and just like any <laughs> instrument and the more you do it and the more, you know, like you, you work it out with yourself and, and you open your mind and your body and, you, you know, to your expression to to doing this kind of thing it's it happens and you know now it for the most part happens magically and very quickly And do you think you'll keep this approach moving forward for every project? Like, is that your kind of methodology now that you want to embrace this and do this every time? Or do you think there'll be a time where you kind of kick back and just hire a load of other musicians to do it as well? Um, actually, that's a that's a very good question. Um, yeah, I don't like to repeat myself too much, uh, even though I've used this method quite a bit lately. Um, these days, I'm actually working in a completely different ways. I, with every project, I like to switch up at least a few things. Hmm. Um I definitely think, you know, the, the, the approach of doing this live is one of my foundational ones or default ones. But, you know, these days, I, you know, I'm, I'm working on a project. I, I can't mention the details, but I went and recorded a bunch of electromagnetic sounds. And now I'm, you know, creating this sort of self-generating engine that's going to that's going to populate the, you know, the, the, the sort of the background ambiences that, that I'm going to create. And then I'll work with that, you know, so there's I, I definitely like to, you know, very inquisitive and I, I'm always trying to just switch it up as much as possible and. It's, I think the, the magic is in the process because when you switch up the process, the music comes out completely differently accordingly. And what else is there out there that you haven't tried yet that you would love to kind of introduce to your process? I haven't worked with a real orchestra yet, actually, uh -huh. uh, surprisingly. So I would love to, you know, one day... That is quite surprising. Yeah, be not be the musician and actually just sit there like most composers do and just look at the score, make sure that it's being expressed <laughs> properly and see, uh, you know, these hundreds of people do it all at once. I, I think it would be, you know, glorious. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. And uh, speaking of projects that you're working on at the moment, I ask the dangerous question. Um, what can you talk about? I really can't speak about anything <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, classic. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, Nothing at all. All I can say is that um, what I'm working on now is gonna is in a sense very different than what you've heard. So you might be surprised, you know, once once these project released to hear, you know, the sort of sound palettes and the and and the music that I'm creating compared to what's happened, what you see with my body work. Ace, can't can't wait. And so apart from projects that you are not allowed to talk about, <laughs> what lies in the future for you now? So a big thing that for me these days is um, you know, since I've been 
you know, obsessed and, and so much with creating sound with instruments is now creating instruments myself. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, I, I've been prototyping for a few years with my team and we put out uh, instruments with Mantra. So um, it's been a rabbit hole and I'm, I'm basically just getting started. We, we've released seven instruments, but we're going to be releasing a lot more. And that for me is kind of like a huge part of the future. And, and to me, just as exciting as composing, if not even more in a certain sense, because when I, I, I get, I'm amazed right now because I've seen the instruments that I created out in the wild and I'm hearing so many people use it in, in completely different ways and contexts. And it's, to me, it's just gratifying. It's like, okay, well, I'm giving back to the community now. When I think of music, even though I'm a, you know, in a sense like an omni-instrumentalist, I do actually think very much like a sound designer. And I was thinking this, yeah. Yeah, so for me creating a, a musical piece, it's also creating a musical language and a musical sound world in itself. You know, I'm, I'm thinking very much specifically on the texture of the sound and how it's going to turn out. So every detail from how I record it to how it's processed and how it's going to be in the mix, I've thought about it and it's it's part of the creative process. And when I'm actually playing the instrument, all of that is in mind as well. I, I think we're just with technology and what we have available now, we have the best of both worlds. We have like, you know, we still have access to a lot of the old uh, knowledge for and all of these beautiful languages and instruments that, that that exist all over the world, but we're able to transmute them and change them using, you know, DSP and processing and and insane systems nowadays. So it's a it's kind of an open canvas and I'm very excited to see what's going to happen in, in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, the, the lines between music and sound design were already kind of blurring over the last couple of decades, I'd say, even more than usual. Yeah. Um, and with the more plugins that come out, um, I think the lines are blurring more and more. <laughs> the amount of crossover with music and sound design is insane. Yeah, and more so with games uh, and, the and the idea of using interactivity. It's not just with games, actually. It's with yeah. apps. It's in real, real life, even, you know, and once AR becomes more prevalent, we're gonna it's going to become just kind of like one one sort of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I see that as being, you know, where, where uh, I, in a sense, I, I, see, I see our work being even more usable and valuable once, once this sort of like, you know, new world comes about, because already it's, it's already happening in the, in the gaming space. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I'm, I'm very excited even there to see where else we go yeah. with it. So, um, sadly, I am drawing towards my final question, um, which can be a bit of a doozy for some people. Because I would like to ask, if you could go back in time and give your past self some advice, what would it be? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I would say is uh, make sure to not spend so much, so much obsessive time in the studio and make sure to travel more and live life more. And because a lot of the inspiration comes from experiencing life and being out there. And that's something that I started to do more lately like in the last few years and I'm, I'm very adamant on is to you know not just be okay this is a project I got to do this but actually if you can if you if there's a setting or a place or or a tradition that you're basing you know you're this sound world on go travel there live it a bit and it's going to make your music so much more richer and you're going to grow as a person and also just enjoy life it's uh it's not just the composing or the sound creation I think it's the you know the journey in itself let's call it that 
Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a very important message that, um, I mean, for many industries, to be honest, but especially the audio industry, a lot of people sometimes need to hear this. Um, because I, I myself had a similar similar sort of journey, to be honest. I probably give myself some very similar advice. And it's amazing how you can get stuck in that um, that mindset where you're like, no, no, the work comes first. And what you end up yeah. doing sometimes is blocking out stuff that actually helps with the work and actually inspires and, and you know, helps you grow and learn and become better at the work anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think it's very important that we, that, that message that you give where, you know, go out, see the world, experience things. That's what influences creativity. Definitely. Well, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Brian. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I definitely did. Yeah. Such a pleasure. And, yeah, and we'd love to have you back in the future. That'd be wonderful, yeah. We can keep on ranting about, <laughs> about sound design. Oh, 100%. And sound worlds as much as you want. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining me, Brian, and thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next time on The Sound Architect. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Sam. Thanks for listening to The Sound Architect podcast. And I really hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. If so, there are many ways you can show your support for the show whether it be financially on our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash sounddesignuk, or whether you're just getting in touch on social media, we love to hear from our listeners. What's your favorite episode? Who would you like us to speak to? Just let us know. You can pretty much find us anywhere on the internet, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or anywhere else. And until then, catch you on the next episode. <laughs>